0: I want you to open the scriptures, and I want you to keep your Bible open this morning. We're turning to Second Book of Samuel, the Second Book of Samuel, Chapter Twenty Three. Samuel, Second Samuel, and the very end. Chapter 23, and we're going to read in a moment from the verse 8, and let me just bring you into the context. In this reading this morning, we have, I think there's three of David's mighty men mentioned, there were 37 mighty men that David had altogether. And if you want to know their activities and the names of them, you have to go to 1 Chronicles chapter 11. But here we have three of them mentioned David's mighty men. The nearest thing you would get to them today would be the British Air Service, the SAS. These were specially trained. Commandos. There were a detachment outside the Israeli army. There were valiant men. There were the men who came down to David when he was in the cave of Dullam. And if you read in 1 Samuel 23, you'll discover that there were gather-ups. Sometimes the people come here is referred to as gather-ups. So that's what you are this morning, you're a gather-up. Sometimes they were referred to as gather-ups and misfits. For they came to David when he was in distress in the Dullam. And it tells us that they were distressed and they were in debt and they were discontented. But David trained them. And he taught their hands to war and their fingers to fight. And he turned them into a mighty band of fighting men. They were marksmen with bows and arrows. Uh, There were specialists with sword warfare. They could hold a stone with the right hand or the left hand from a sling to a hair's breadth. So there were men that you would need on your side if you were in battle. So we're at verse 8 and we're going to lift out one of these fellows this morning and we're going to minister from from him and from the word. These be the names, 2 Samuel 23 and verse 8, these be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tachmonite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. I think he may have been the colonel of them. The same was was Edeno, the Esonite, he lifted up a spear against the 800 whom he slew at one time. After him was Elaziah, the son of Dodo, the Ahuite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together in battle. And the men of Israel were gone away. I want you to notice that we phrase. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. And his hand clave unto the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. And here's the fellow we're after this morning. And after him was Shama, the son of Agi, the Harite. Uh, that means that he was a mountain man. He was from the hills of Judea, a mountaineer. He'd have been an uncouth boy this in his day. And after him was Shama the son of Agi the Harite, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop, where was a piece of ground full of lentils that's beans. And there were barley as well in that patch, and that those patches if you study the whole scripture. And the people fled from the Philistines. I want you to notice that. Notice the end of verse nine, and the men of Israel were gone away. The end of verse eleven, and the people fled from the Philistines. But he, emphasise the he, he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. Always give glory to God for your victories. It not him. The Lord wrought a great victory. May God bless to us the public reading of his word. As a very young boy, in our west from Anna Farmyard home, I remember hearing my white-headed mother crying to herself in another room. And I heard her saying, and I've never forgot her words, as I lay in bed, I heard her saying, I can't stand it anymore. This cursed drink. And I take it she was referring to my father, and to my oldest brother. And although it's 70 years ago, I can still hear my mother's cry. I can't stand it anymore. Let me ask you a question this morning to start off with. Do you know what it is like to cry out from wit's and Corn? Do you know what it is like when your back is against the wall and against the ropes, as we would say? Do you know what it is to cry from a longing heart? Maybe there's some this morning and that is your cry. Maybe it's to do with your family. Maybe it's to do with your marriage. Maybe it's to do with your health. There are a variety of reasons why people go down against the wire. Maybe it's to do with some addiction. Maybe it's to do with peer pressure. Maybe it's homeschooling the kids or just the lockdown or all the general fears and foreboding that comes and has come with such over the past months. I can't take any more but I believe in my heart this morning that that's where this man shamma the mountaineer from the hill of judea a judah felt lord lord i can't take this anymore take what anymore I can't take this marauding, wicked, evil band of Philistines coming to plunder, coming to forage and to steal our beans and our barley and our bread year after year. Oh, how in springtime we laboured with the sweat of our brow, we ploughed and we sowed. And this year again, they're descending to take the work of our hands and to leave us starving. This year, again, they're coming to abuse our women and children. They're coming again to ravish our crops and to steal our livestock and to humiliate the people. Lord, Shama stood forth and says, I won't take it anymore. I won't take these uncircumcised, blaspheming enemies of God touching or taking or possessing our covenant inheritance that God has given to us. That covenant inheritance that came through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and was bought with the grit and the fire and the faith of Caleb and Joshua, who possessed their possessions and stood on the promises of God. I'm not taking it anymore. This land God gave to us, flowing with milk and honey, pomegranates and figs and and grapes and beans and bark. It's our land, and we have a right to our land. Let me tell you something. It still is their land this morning. Still belongs to them this morning. No matter what blundering, blind Biden says he's going to do with it, it's his land. And they have a right to fight. They have every right to fight. They have every right. Shama had every right to fight, and Dodo had every right to fight, and these men had every right to fight against these. These wicked Philistines. Anyway, the Palestinians are only a fancy name for the Philistines. They're all leaves in God's wind. And God will blow them about in whatever way he likes. And Israel is God's people and God's protected people. And they have a right to fight. And God's going to vindicate them one day. And not far from here, they're going to gather in the plains... All the north from the north and the south and the east and the west, and China with her two hundred million will gather on the plains of Megiddo, and God will defeat every one of us. And it's coming. It's coming very soon. Now, as the sun is setting over the Jordan on this lovely quiet harvest evening, Shama lifts his head, and he can see the dust of the horses' hooves rising into the sunlight setting sunlight. And he runs to his wife and he runs to his children and he runs to his family and he says, run and hide and get into the house. And he runs for a sword. The blood boiling, his heart beating, his teeth gritting and he stands amongst his covenant God-given lentil patch. And he says, Lord, I can't take it anymore and I'm going to fight. And single-handedly he slew the enemy and the Lord wrought a great victory. I want to say a few words this morning as I go into this message. Let me say a few words about this piece and parcel of ground that Shammah defended. If you study carefully the Scriptures and the context, 1 Chronicles 11 and 1 Samuel 17, you'll discover that this ground belonged to David's tribe, the tribe of Judah and Shama. Once before, it had been taken by the Philistines, and it was held for years, and then it was lost because of the pathetic, abysmal reign of Saul and his weak leadership. And the Philistine giants invaded this land, Goliath being one of them. This place here was the hill and the valley of Elah, Shuko. Ephes Damin, 1 Samuel 17 and verse 1. And for 40 days and 40 nights, the enemies prayed it up and down to this land until David filled with the Holy Ghost and power came with the anointing upon him and took the ground back again, and the people fled from him. But with weak leadership, with abysmal, weak leadership, under Saul, who had lost the anointing, they got back in again. And the devil will come back if you give him a foothold. Do you hear that now? He'll come back if you give him a foothold. And he's getting a foothold all over the place today because of weak leadership. And he'll get a foothold in your life if you don't pray and you don't read and you don't get into these prayer meetings and you don't cry to God and you don't thank God for the victory that you have. He'll come back in again and he'll slay you. You hear that, young convert? He'll slay you. Hold on to your marriage, or he'll slay it. Hold on and pray and cry for your children, or he'll slay them. Don't let them back in. Those of you who have taken ground in the past days and the past weeks, those of you who have been getting victory in these meetings, those of you who are coming and there's into the double figures the people that have come to speak to Alan and I, Christians that have got the victory, hold on to the victory! For he'll come back when he gets a weak point and he'll slay all around them. Now, what are we to learn from this this morning? Well, I have no headings this morning. I'm just asking the Holy Spirit to show me. But I want to say this, that the desperate need of the hour in this God-given land of ours in this inheritance and mighty inheritance that God has given us, the people of God in this land, we need to stand and fight. Not physical with guns and bombs and politics or parades or placards. We have tried it all and it has failed. It's not bonfires or bands or barricades that's going to win this war. It's not meetings or marching or vetoes or voting or constitutions or institutions. And whether there's a border in the Sea or whether there's not a border in the Irish doesn't matter that. There's no borders with God. And when God opens the floodgates, that he's going to open the floodgates across Ireland. And you mark my words. God's going to open the floodgates very soon. And I'll tell you, you will not stop at Monaghan, or and O'Claw, or Fermanagh, Borders. There'll be an all-Ireland revival. A legacy we have never seen. And it's coming. You better believe it. And if you don't believe it, keep away from the prayer meetings. If you do believe it, come in and pray. It's coming. It's going to burst forth. Oh, yes, my friend. It's not going to be by might. Or by power, or by the programs of man. By my spirit, saith the Lord. By my spirit, saith the Lord. It's going to come. Paul writing to Timothy says, First of all, what? Parades, though. First of all, placards, no. First of all, politics, no. First of all, prayer. Prayer. Man, keep coming. Keep coming and bring others with you. Keep praying. Because God's going to do it. Matthew Henry says, when God's going to do a great work, he sets his people praying. Listen, friends, we need to fight back. If we're going to defend our God-given land and our God-given lentil patch, and this corner here is is given lentil patch, and these prayer meetings are God-given prayer meetings, and we need to defend them. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to God, to the pulling down of the stronghold. We need to fight. A woman came from Ballymoney last Sunday, lifted her mother in Tobermore, and came here because the battle's on with her. She all oh, they're saved, but the battle's on with so many things, hitting them in the family and the home. But she came all that distance here to talk to some of us and to pray with her. She's fighting. She's fighting. And you have to fight for it. 160 people passed through the prayer meetings here Monday, Wednesday and Friday night. Oh, don't be counting numbers. Well, God knows my heart in numbers. But when I read about the revivals and all these mighty revivals, I don't see any problem with Duncan Campbell and all those boys telling how many people were in and what was the gatherings. But I want to tell you that 160 people pray, went through this church praying From 8 o'clock to 11 and after 11 o'clock some nights. And they're fighting. They're fighting back. You see, we the people of God are likened to many things in the Word of God. And you hear all these far more than you'll hear the one I'm talking on this morning. We're sons in the family. That's lovely. Adopted into the family of God. We're sprinters in a race. And that's lovely too, if you're able to run. And we're sheep in the flock and we're the salt of the earth, and we're stoned in the building, but we're soldiers in a fight. And that's my message this morning. Put on the whole armor of God. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take on to you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand, stand, withstand. Three times you'll get that in Ephesians 6, commencing the armor. So that leads me to suggest to you that the most important piece of the armor is the shoes of peace on the feet. Oh, you said, what about the sword? What about the shield? What about the helmet? Well, you know, when Paul penned that he was in prison, he was chained to a Roman soldier. And every time that that soldier lifted his foot, Paul could get a look. That's where he described the armor. But every time he lifted his foot, he could see the studs. There were long studs in the boot of the Roman soldier. And when those Roman soldiers got on the hard ground and they dug in those heels, I tell you this, they stood. And that makes sense. What use would be the shield? What use would be the sword if we're down? And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to put you down this morning. And then he'll slay you. So I suggest to you that these shoes thats hardly ever mentioned when we're talking about the armor. I believe that these shoes are the most important part of the armor. And we need to stand. Because when he scatters us, my friend, we're no use. It's like the dog when he gets into the flock of sheep. No those scared sheep all come in together. And that old dog will go round and round till he get one out. And he'll keep running until he gets one out. And he'll nail the one when it comes out. He'll do that with you now. You keep in the fellowship. You keep in the prayer meetings. You keep in the flock. You keep in. Well, I say the shoes. The shoes are more important than the helmet and the shield and the girdle and the breastplate. Because when you're down, you're done. Let us dig in the heels this morning and let us stand. Now I want you to set your eyes on verse 9. I've emphasized it already. This is very, very important for the day in which we live. Verse 9 and the end of it. And the men of Israel were gone away. There was only one man stand. And the men of Israel were gone away in this hour of crisis. This scene of the Philistines taking the very bread and butter from their mouth. They're gone. And when it says men here, it's refers to the leaders. refers to elders, ministers, pastors. There's a wee story away buried in the Old Testament where there was a servant of God told to guard a prisoner. He says, you guard, your job as you're a servant, you're a slave. You guard that prisoner. And the prisoner got away. And the prophet of God came to him and he says, you let him away. Where were you? He says, your servant was here and there, busy here and there. Well, a slave or a bond slave or a servant of God has no right to be busy anywhere, only where God has put him. And his job was to guard the prisoner. He was a slave to the master. And here we have this morning men and women who should be praying and preaching and crying unto God and sending out the word. They're at everything but it. Everything but it. Busy here and there. God never called you to go on to the Board of Governors. He never called them to supervise a bonfire over and put it down. God called His servants and His men to howl between the porch and the altar and weep and pray and fast and cry. But they're closed up and they're gone away. God of mercy. God of mercy. All the seven churches that Jesus Christ wrote to, through John and the Isle of Patmos. All seven of them was, first of all, the message came onto the angel of the church. I write, the angel there, and that is, is the pastor, the minister, the leader, the one in charge of the church. And he was the first. The message was to him first. And the message is to the pulpit. And according to this pulpit this morning, will be the pew. And if this pulpit is not right this morning, the pew will not be right. Not be right. Look at verse 11. The end of it. And the people fled from before the Philistines. It doesn't say the men there. Just hold on to that now this morning. And the people fled. Aye, when you have weak leadership, The people will flee. They'll scatter. And as old Milton said, the hungry sheep look up on Sunday mornings, and they're not fed. God help us! I've tried all the 31 years, but when the hungry sheep come and look up, that we'll feed them. We'll feed them with the word from the mouth of God, not from the internet. Not from some of them other gadgets. I couldn't name them, or nothing about them. But I'll tell you this: we need to get back to the word from the mouth of God to the people, for they're starving. Taking up the messages, the sermons on Sunday mornings, we children talk and announcements and singing and all, a fifteen minute at the end. You can't live on that. And God help you! Some of these years are starved, and you admit it. Have you, have you, are you going to say like my old mother? I can't take it any longer. And the people fled. The people fled. Why are they fleeing from Belfast? Why are they fleeing from Balnahinch? Why are they fleeing from the border of Derry? Harman, man Cookstown, and Oma and Strabane and Monaghan and Melford. Why are they fleeing here? There's nothing for them anywhere else. Did I not hear some of you this morning? God knows how my heart had to change this message into the week. God knows how my heart, I didn't want to preach this, but God knows how my heart this morning says at times I'm sick of it all. often think of my old tears stained, fear stained. Mother, can't stand it anymore. If ever a woman had a broken heart, Was her. I don't know about you this morning, but listen to what's in my heart this morning. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm tired of being pushed about and ordered by ungodly, unscrupulous, unrepentant government ministers in Westminster and Stormont. I'm sick of it. And I'm just telling you my heart this morning. I'm sick of it. I'm sick, sore, and tired of taking lectures from adulterers and atheists and sodomites and terrorists. you my heart this morning. Well, I've cried it out before God, <laughs> mates. I'm tired of being lectured and told I can't sing and I can't pray and I can't gather in the church or I can't hug my children or my grandchildren. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of hearing of dear daughters and sons sitting in the hospital car parks while their mother and father and children are dying and they can't get near them. I read an article in the Daily Mail last night where an undertaker in England, if the headlines in the Daily Mail, the undertaker in England said it's a national scandal how many people are being put down to die with COVID that are not dying with it at all. You read it. And he says we need a public inquiry. Hundreds. Tell me what's going on. What's going on? I'm sick and tired of the way our children have been treated. They're in school and out of school. They're on the bus and they're off the bus. They're in uniform and they're out of uniform. They're online and they're offline. Incompetency of the highest degree, I have a 19-year-old autistic grandson and many of you know him. And he went into school, and now he's out of school. Now he can't. These children have enough to handle without this. What's going on? And I'm tired of the police every time that we open and put a car here to drive around. I'm tired of it all. And if we don't flee, and I'm saying to you this morning, and my... The lifeboats is not the first thing in my heart. God's the first thing in my heart, and our people know that. I'm saying to you this morning, will you stand with us in this lentil patch? Will you stand with us? Come tonight and fill this place and fill this car park tonight and fill the barn tonight and bring your friends with you and come Monday, Wednesday, and Friday because we need to make a stand. Get in behind us, listen, before it's too late. We're fast moving to a state-controlled society. Awake! Pastors and ministers and churches, awake! Grab your sword and come into the lentil patch and host your banner and say... So far. And no further. For if we don't. If we don't. And the thin end of the wedge is in. If we don't it'll be North Korea, China, Chile. If we don't they'll take me out here like they did the pastor in Edmonton. And i will put chains and shackle him and put him into prison. And not let his wife see. Oh you say that's stirring the people up. If I could stir you up. These were stored up long enough with politics and men. It's time we were stored up for God. It's time there was a spiritual storing and a spiritual awakening. Grab your sword and get into the lentil patch and get in here. Even you don't pray, come. For dear knows where this is going to end. Listen, this whole thing has got to be tested because nobody knows what laws is this and what laws for that. The very police that come here don't know. It's time we take the sword, like Shaman says. There's enough. I'm not giving in anymore. This here is our lentil patch. This land that was so blessed, this land that was so mightily blessed by God with missionaries and men and preachers and churches and everything else, we have to fight for it now. The devil has no right. The devil has no right to this lentil patch and this man, tribe of Judah, this is our ground and this is our land and the devils took it before and we took it off them. we're going to take it back. And whether the man's with him or not, it doesn't matter. He says, we're going to take it back. This is a covenant keeping land of milk and honey that God gave to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Josh and Caleb stood their ground. And we are letting the whole thing slip this morning because we're asleep. Wake up, man dear. Take hold of the word of God and believe God. We have proved the Lord here for 33 years. We have proved Him that He is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Ask the treasure. Ask the other men. We have proved that there's a God on the throne. And he's mighty able to save and to deliver. Fight for your children, for your husband, for your wife, for your marriage. And let's join with the saints and stalwarts of old that cried out like my mother, I'm sick of it. I was thinking of Nehemiah. When the word came to him with the walls down, he sat down and he wept and he prayed and he fasted. He says, I'm not taking it anymore. I think of Elijah whenever the word came to him that the Jezebel and, and, and Ahab were idols were all over the land and the whole thing had been turned back into the most wicked king and queen that ever was. He says, I can take it no more. I'm going down to the palace. Think of Moses when he said, Lord, blot me out if you're going to not bring these children out. Or Esther, when she stood before the king, and what she said, if I perish, I perish. Or our lovely Lord Jesus himself, he didn't run. He didn't hide. He stood in the valley. He stood in the valley. He went down into the deep where there was no standing, and all the waves and God's wrath came over him. And his own family forsook him and fled, and they just scandalized him and mocked him and called him a devil. His own people, his own brothers. And all hell stood against him, and the very end, the disciples all forsook him and fled. But praise his name, he stood. I'm glad he stood this morning. I'm glad he didn't run. And I'm glad he went a little further this morning onto that old bloodstained cross at Calvary. And he's saying to you this morning, this I have done for you. What are you doing for me? He can't even be in a prayer meeting. God help you. What are you doing for him this morning? Hmm? Can you not see him on that cross between the thieves? Can you not see the thorns hammered down in his brow? Can you not see him stripped naked? And when you see a picture of Christ with a vestige of a garment around him, it's a lie. He was stripped naked. It was part of the shame, bearing shame and scoffing rude. And the thorns battered down onto his brow, and every bone in his body out of joint, and the tongue clave into the roof of his mouth. The Son of God, the creator, sustainer, provider of all things, who gave all things, men breath, could have cried one cry, and ten thousand angels would have come and took him down and sent him back to heaven, but he didn't. He stood. He stood in that little patch. He says, This is the bread, and these are the beans, and this is the barley, and this is the food of the cross that I'm going to feed. I'm going to feed my people with. Now, I want in one thing, I'm going to close in a minute or two. This God-given land and ground, I don't want you to miss this now, that David had plucked, and his men and, and Shammah, had plucked a second time from the jaws of the enemy. Look at verse 11. Let's read verse eleven. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi the Harite, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop, where was a piece of ground, now watch this, full of lanterns. Boy, I could preach a sermon on that. The devil's not gonna listen, this wasn't this this ground wasn't half empty or half full. It was full of barley and beans, and then it was. The word "full" there is full and running over. Anything that God has is full, you know. The devil's always after those that are full. He'll not worry a bit about the carnal Christian who supplies a wee two-minute prayer in the morning, read a daily reading away about his business, make money and live just no better than the world. He's not a bit concerned about it. But you go in for fullness. You get down before him and cry to God and lay all on the altar, life, family, business, everything else, and nothing less is any good for us to take up the cross. And when you lay all on the altar to God like that and say that to God and say, fill me, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Ghost. He'll fill you, boy. And he'll fill you to the fullest. But you'll be sure the devil will be on your tail. Devil's not after an old half-baked thing. Oh, no. The devil's attacking us here. He will and he will too. Because we're trying to do something. When you get into the fight... He's not coming for an empty or a half empty barley field or a lintel field. Everything that God has is full. You know what he says? Of his fullness have all we received. Amen. He's full of mercy. He's full of compassion. He's full of grace. He's full of truth. He's full of glory. He's full of love. He's full of power. Listen, he fills the hungry with good things. Hallelujah. He fills the barns with plenty. Maybe some of you are struggling with the loss of work and the loss of wages, and you have a young family. Listen, you'll always be plenty when God is with you. Yes, he fills the barns with plenty. He filled the water pot to the brim. He filled the valley with his presence. Every valley shall be brought low. And the presence of God. And he'll fill this valley with his presence too. And he'll fill the house with his glory. Everything that the Lord has is full. And we are so empty this morning. Now admit it. Admit it this morning. You were heaven's full. Cherubims, seraphims, hosts of heaven and all God's power to be unleashed. And so many of his people are empty to smart. Running and empty. Well, that shouldn't be. Not when we have a God like this. Not when we have a God like this. Listen to what Micah said in the Old Testament before Pentecost. Truly, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and of judgment and of might to declare unto Jacob their transgression and Israel their sins. What does he say? I am full of the Spirit and of power. Can you say that this morning? Well, lie before God until you are. Cry unto God before, until you are. Trust God this morning. Trust him. Get up out of this low level that we're in. Get into the valley and start blessing and start fighting and start praising. And God's going to work a great victory. And it's going to be the God that's doing it. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. Oh, I love Shama. Shammah looked around him and he says, God has been good to us this year. God's crop has been bountifully this year. He has sent the early rain and he has sent the latter rain and he, he has given us this mighty harvest of stuff. Why should we let the enemy touch it? Let the others go. Get your eyes off the others this morning. Get your eyes onto yourself. Let the others go. Get your eyes onto him this morning. Get your eyes not onto the revival, but onto the reviver. And don't get praying and obeying mixed up. Never if ever there was a word that needs to go out, these prayer meetings is this. Get your eyes on the reviver,
1: not the revival.
0: And don't substitute praying for obeying. We can pray the best of prayers. and Yet there could be rebellion in our heart. And there's things that need to be put right. And as Shammah stepped out onto the middle of this patch and squared his shoulders, he said, let them come. I'm trusting in the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob. I'm trusting in this... God, that gives us this ground, and God's going to work a mighty victory. Let us pray. Now, Father, take what has been from thyself and cast what has been from man away, Lord, for it's of no value. Lord, my opinions and my suggestions are of no avail. Holy Spirit, back home this message this message to our hearts this morning. And let us watch for the victory that could even come tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.